The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to John. Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Joseph's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, with his sons and flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one who is speaking to you. Just then his disciples came. They were astonished that he was speaking with a woman, but no one said, What do you want? or Why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to complete his work. Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. 
The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days, and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, but we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. So our Wi-Fi at home was really bad and a great source of irritation to my husband. To me too a little bit, but I'm not the techie person at our house. So for his birthday, he treated himself to a new Wi-Fi setup. And while he was at it, he upgraded the TiVo and got a free month of Netflix. So I just go along for the ride, and we started watching episodes of The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt with Ellie Kemper. And perhaps we're the only ones who hadn't seen it, but just in case some of you haven't either, it's a comedy about a woman who has been held captive in a bunker in Indiana for 15 years by a doomsday cult. And she and her bunker mates have been told that the world has been destroyed and they are the only survivors. And each episode opens with Kimmy Schmidt being helped out of the bunker by a blurry SWAT team officer going into the light of day and looking around her in joyful wonder while the theme song, Unbreakable, is sung. And she soon decides that with her new lease on life, she is going to go to New York and start living. I haven't seen all the episodes yet. But Kimmy soon needs a cast of characters that are all, in their own way, very broken. And a few of them know of her past, that she's one of the famous mole women that they've all heard about on the news. But they all form a community around one another, not unaware of one another's flaws and broken bits, but choose to look past them and just take care of each other. And Kimmy, is unflappably cheerful and open and naive and positive. And she goes through life with a gee whiz smile on her face and faces every setback, of which there are many, with cheerful determination. And we get hints that the time spent in the bunker was not all rosy. There are intimations of sexual abuse and torture but they're quickly brushed off with a smile and a can-do attitude. Kind of like Scarlett O'Hara. I can't think about that now. I'll think about that tomorrow. We have seen these stories in the news, and I hear about them, and I wonder how the women and girls are doing today. Are they unbroken? And I'm curious about the creative choice to turn a story like this into a comedy and to create a character like Kimmy who despite our suspicions to the contrary, insists on being unbreakable. Today, 
we meet the Samaritan woman at the well. And we know very little about her, but what we know has often been presented as very unsavory. A woman of ill repute, so much so that she finds herself alone at the well in the heat of day, ostracized by the other women in the community who would have gathered together earlier in the cool of the morning to share stories of their children, their husbands, their lives, the local gossip. It's possible that she herself is the subject of the gossip. For whatever reason, she finds herself there alone, drawing water for her daily needs. And we learn that she has had five husbands. Five. And the last one isn't really her husband at all. The shame. Seen through this lens, she is a woman who does not merit any attention from Jesus, so unworthy is she. And in many interpretations, we see Jesus being so full of mercy that he would stoop to attend to this lowly woman. And one of the takeaway messages being that we too should always give our attention to the least of these, a term that I really don't like, but more on that later. But seen from our 21st century perspective, from a feminist perspective, we don't know how much choice she had in the circumstances in which she finds herself. There is a reason that the Bible tells us to care for the widow and orphan, and that's because in first century Judea, women had no rights apart from their marital status. If she were widowed, she would have been forced to marry her dead husband's brother. If she had been abandoned by her husband, she would have faced dire straits in trying to provide for herself. If she found herself in an abusive marriage with her physical safety threatened, she would have had few options. For many, prostitution was the only option for a woman with no family to provide for her. We don't know the details of the woman's circumstances, but we have hints that life is not easy for her. But we also see this. We see a woman who, despite what her society has claimed for her, still has a part of her that is unbroken. And we see Jesus meeting her strength and honoring it, not responding to her in pity. Jesus sees her for who she is, a beloved child of God, worthy of the living water that will gush up in her like a spring of new life, that the old stories that she may have told herself or had told about her are not what defines her. So just look at the exchange between her and Jesus. You know, okay, I wish they had translated give me a drink into something a little more courteous, but I'm not judging. The fact that he deigns to speak to a woman alone and a Samaritan woman at that is already remarkable. That just wasn't done. And you can see the surprise on the disciples' faces when they come upon this scene. But she responds to him, not as a subservient woman, but as someone who is thinking about all the social and religious ramifications of his request. And she meets his request with one of her own. How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? And they continue to respond to one another, question and response. 
In the rabbinical tradition, this kind of back and forth is a sign of respect. They are engaging one another in respectful dialogue. She is seeking answers to her queries, and she isn't shy about approaching him forthrightly. Despite all the broken places in her life, she stands face to face with her Messiah, seeking living water. Too often, I think, we fall into the trap of seeing ourselves at our root as broken and unworthy. And we frame our salvation as having been rescued from our unworthiness by the largesse of our God. The language of our liturgies often reinforces this notion that we are unworthy to receive even the crumbs from the Lord's table. And surely there are those areas in our lives, both individual and communal, that are deserving of repentance. We are in this season of Lent, which is that season in which we are forced to confront those broken pieces that need changing and those acts done that cry out for reparation. We will do this. Sometimes we'll do it better than others. But I think today, in this story, we are being asked to see as God sees. We are being asked to see others differently from the way we have always seen them. We are being asked to see ourselves and question our assumptions about ourselves in ways that we have not done before. I recently read a book called On Living by Carrie Egan about her experience working as a hospice chaplain. Now, I've done a lot of chaplaincy work, and I sometimes despair at the way in which chaplaincy is viewed as someone who comes in to help you get right with God. But Egan does a beautiful job of showing how chaplaincy is really about standing in witness to another's search for meaning, to act as the doula for another's birthing of one's dawning awareness, and to have the humility to know that you don't have the roadmap to another's quest. In one chapter, she talks about the evangelicals who talk about being born again, which we heard about in last week's gospel. She says, she has learned to always ask, what was it like when you were born again? And she says, the responses are always remarkably similar. And she writes, every single one of them had almost the same story. Everything looked different and sounded different. Even the air felt different. The world was made anew for them. They would say, I couldn't believe how alive the world was, and I had never noticed before. Truly, they felt born again, not just in their faith, but in the world itself. They experienced a new creation. Always, however, they were left in wonder at how nothing in the physical world had changed, but their own perception of it. That was enough to change everything. Always I was left in wonder that such a massive shift could happen in less than a second. It seems miraculous. I would suggest that Jesus is asking the woman at the well to see herself in a new way. And he does it by seeing the unbroken and holy essence of her being and calling it into life until it comes gushing forth 
for all the world to see. He sees not the original sin that we hear about in Augustine, but the original blessing that we hear about in Pelagius and written about so beautifully by the modern theologian and Episcopal priest, Matthew Fox. This life that we're living will beat us down and knock the snot out of us sometimes. God has never promised us otherwise. And just as Jesus asks us to see ourselves as God sees us, we can see the rest of the world and all our fellow travelers that way too. Which is why I take issue with the term, the least of these. I get what they're trying to say. Certainly there are those among us who have been particularly left out of the common good, whether by dint of their birth, the power structures that we have created to live in, or their own faulty choices. But just as Jesus stood before the Samaritan woman and beheld her as worthy, so should we. Both Jesus and the woman crossed established boundaries of culture, class, and gender. Both of them stepped out of their established norms and met one another face to face. Jesus was not unaware of her brokenness, but he held up for her that part of her that remained unbroken. When we meet our fellow travelers on the road, as broken as they may appear to us, our Christian faith tells us that they are to be honored, just as Jesus honored the woman from Samaria. As Christians, we are asked to cross those same boundaries of culture, class, ethnicity, and honor the unbroken spirit placed there by God in all of us, and to meet one another face to face. We are going to be asked, indeed are being asked now, to welcome the refugee, to care for the poor, to heal the sick, to feed the hungry, to house the homeless. We will be asked to stand against those structures that preference the rich at the expense of the poor. We will be asked to cease the desecration of the planet, which makes our island home uninhabitable for generations to come. We will be asked to cease senseless wars that ravage our lands. We are being asked to be living water gushing forth into new life. We are being asked to do this and not break. We are being asked to do this and stand face to face before our God, holy and unbroken. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. We are a growing community welcoming those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You may reach us by phone at 415-388-1907, search for us online, or visit our website at OurSaviorMillValley.org. We wish you God's peace. We hope to greet you in person very soon.